Blog Talk Radio. So it's faith-based. So you're involved with faithism, not atheism, right? It was that you said, saying that you know, a lot of Christians, um, they maybe text or they maybe email you, and you know they were pretty much scared of you. And I said, oh, okay, a challenge, okay. No, I believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible is saying that slavery is okay because it gives instructions about how to handle slavery. Andrew, that's faith. You just said you accept evolution, evolution theory. So that's faith. You got faith in a theory. By any chance, are you gay? Uh, what do you think about bow totes? Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you so very much for joining me here again on the Atheist Roundtable. This is supposed to be a weekly not every other week or whenever the heck the host gets his stuff together, but a weekly live call-in show about atheism, agnosticism, belief, non-belief, and whatever happens to flow into your host's stream of consciousness for about 30 minutes. It's supposed to happen every Sunday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, but as I said, your host can't always get his stuff together. But tonight, I think that your host has enough stuff together to throw a, throw a stream of consciousness show together tonight. Maybe. Possible. I don't know. Hey, I'm that host. I'm the guy who can't get it together, and my name is Andrew Garber. Hey, if you want to help me get my stuff together, then there are a few things you can do. You can like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable on Facebook. You can fr- send me a friend request on Facebook. My name's Andrew Garber. Hey, or you could go to iTunes and leave me your oh-so-coveted five-star review. That would definitely my stuff together so that I will do shows all the time. That's how that works. More stuff together, more reviews on iTunes, more friend requests, more likes on the Facebook fan page. I know that a lot of you um, have had the chance by now, just like I have, to listen to the debate on Dogma Debate between... David Smalley, and Matt Flick. Now, if you don't know who Matt Flick is, he's the guy who runs CARM.org. That's, uh, I don't remember exactly what CARM stands for. C-A-R-M, Christian Apologetics Research Ministries, I think. I haven't been there in a long, long time. But um, if you've Ever heard of another guy named Cy Tenbruggenkate? Matt Slick and Cy are cut from the same cloth, so to speak. I actually find Matt Slick to be far more intelligent, uh, a lot easier to talk to, a lot, uh, a much better debater than uh, than Cy ever hopes. I really think that Matt Slick is the guy that you want to debate if you want to to debate. Transcendental Apologetics. Uh, I think that uh, Matt Slick is definitely the guy that I would choose to want to talk to over Cy any day. So if you don't know who David Smalley is from Dogma Debate, then I don't know what in the world you're doing with your life. You need to become at least the fourth listener to Dogma Debate and just go and listen to it. Uh, David, uh, I'm not uh, a huge fan of David's debate, debate style, but that doesn't mean that it's not a good style. It doesn't mean it's a bad style. It just means that 
his style and my style aren't the same style, and that's just fine. Um, if you've ever, if you have heard of Matt Flynn and you know about his CARM website, then because the topic of that debate was the morality of the God of the Old Testament, it was really easy to know what Matt Slick was going to talk about. Because Matt's uh, theory on morality really hasn't changed an awful lot in a lot of years. I think that it's likely that if you're a skeptic, if you're an atheist, if you're a non-theist, if you're a non-believer, that your moral compass, for lack of a better word, has undergone some retweaking since you lost your faith, and perhaps even more retweakings since you lost your faith than you ever thought possible while you did have faith. I know that's the case for me. When I was a believer, my morality was fixed, set in stone, much like Matt Slick's is. It's not, it wasn't identical to Matt's, but it was just as solid as Matt Slick's is today. And now, as an atheist, I'm much more fluid. I find it much more, well, less solid. I, I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, if, you, if you're not familiar with, uh, with, with Matt's position, I want to say that I don't completely disagree with his assertions. Um, I don't completely disagree with everything that Matt Slick says about morality. And so I'm going to say a few things that Matt Slick does about morality that I actually agree with, okay? Matt Slick would tell you that uh, if that, that in order to make a moral judgment, one would have to have a standard against which one would be able to make a moral judgment. Matt Slick would say that in order to call something moral or immoral, one has to make a comparison of one thing to another thing. And the other thing to which someone must compare must be something outside of that uh, of you. It must be outside of that situation. It must be something that is uh, a standard. And Matt would want that standard to be um, universal and unchanging and forever uh, the same, no matter what. Um, I disagree with the source of the standard, but right up until the point where Matt starts talking about where he gets his standards, I am completely on board. One of the things that came out in the debate between David Smalley and Matt, Matt continuously wanted to invoke reason and logic and uh, and shrug off and, and push off anything that had to do with emotional reactions to a particular moral problem. One of the things I love about these moral debates is that in order for us to suss out each other's positions, we really have to confront each other with specific moral dilemmas. We really have to provide an example of, well, okay, if your standard is this and I put you in this situation, how do you evaluate it, right? And those are the kinds of scenarios, those are the kinds of exercises that I find 
fascinating. Fascinating. I love it when I get to think about whether or not I find something moral or not and why. I love having to figure that out. Uh, and I think that what I'm doing is exactly what Matt Slick says I'm doing, is that I'm taking a situation and I have to try to compare it to something else that is completely outside of myself and it's completely outside of the situation that I'm comparing it to. I think that's precisely exactly right. Where Matt Slick and I, and maybe even David Smalley and I, would disagree is how we come to that standard. And then what do we do in order to make that comparison, right? There are two things. There's this creation of a standard, and there's this process of comparison, right? And these are two completely separate things, and I think that it's important to, when we're talking about morality, when we're talking about how these things are applied in real life, or even in theoretical situations, I think it's important that we distinguish between the standard and the process through which we're going to be able to uh, compare them. And I think David Smalley did an excellent job of providing a standard and a process. And I don't know that Matt Slick did as good a job as describing the process Right, did a fantastic job describing his standard and where it comes from, and you can probably guess. But he didn't do, I don't think, a very good job of describing the process. In fact, I think when David was talking about his process, I think that uh, Matt got a little confused. But I think that I think that Matt Slick is exactly right in how we come to these moral decisions, and I think that David Smalley is precisely right in that we need a standard and a method with which that we're going to uh, compare the two. I think that that's extraordinarily important. I don't think for a second that Matt Slick would say that if you don't have, if, let, let, let's cut through it, okay? If you don't have his God, all right, if you don't have his God, that you don't have a standard with which to compare and all you're left with are opinions. And I have to say, um, I don't entirely disagree with it. Matt Slick would go on to say that if all you have is opinion, then nothing you have counts. Then nothing you have means anything. That nothing you have is any kind of real standard. And there, I disagree. I don't think that our moral opinions count for nothing. I think our moral opinions count for a lot. I think when it comes to our morality, what we have at the end of the day, after we've had our process and our standard, what we have then as a conclusion is an opinion. Our, 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 we're, we're going to subjectively apply this, this process, whatever it is. We're going to subjectively apply that process and what we're going to come with, to is an opinion. And in that way, I think that morality is just as objective, the process of morality, this, this having two things, comparing one to a standard and applying a process to compare them. That's morality. I think 
that morality is a practice much like medicine, right? I think that as you practice morality, you should be getting better at it. I think that you should be getting better at it because you need to get better at it in order for other people to recognize you as a moral person. And I think that we all want to be recognized as moral people. I think we all need to be recognized by our fellow person as a moral person ourselves. And the best way for us to do that is to become better people, become better arbiters of what is moral. Um, And that's what... And and so just to transition away from their debate for a second, that's what's so horrifying about religion hijacking morality. That's what's so horrifying. You know what I'm talking about when I say that good people do good things and bad people do bad things. But to make good people do bad things, this requires religion. We've all heard this quote. This is not a new quote. We've all heard this. What do we mean by that? What are we talking about to make good people do bad things? What bad things? We've all heard the stories. We've all heard the stories about parents who deny their children medical care because they think that if they pray to Jesus, that whatever ails them will go away. We've all heard the stories of people harming, killing other people because they think their God told them, mandated them to do it, or that they are saving those victims, those usually children, worse than death, from eternal torment in hell. We see parents harming children because of religious beliefs. And we don't see that often in secularism. Why? Because we don't have a way to appeal to a supernatural source in order to get rid of what ails us. We only have our natural uh, causes and effects that are going to have any real tangible results here in the real world. We when, when, when these parents do this harm, doing it because they think that this is a bad thing to do, right? They're not doing this because they don't like their children. They're doing it because they love their children and they want to protect their children. They want to do right by their children. They want to make sure that they do everything right by their children who they love. And this is how their morality has been hijacked by a religion to say that the best thing, the moral thing, the righteous thing to do, harm. I think that it's important to remember that when we see these horrific stories, when we see these stories that happen so Often, I mean, it's it, it's almost a it, it, it doesn't even grab our attention anymore. You know, 
It doesn't even it doesn't even come to that because we expect it. We expect parents to have their morality and their love for their children hijacked by by religion. Horrific, horrific things. Sometimes it's easy to forget, right? That these are good people trying to do good things. These are people who want to find the right thing to do. These are people who are doing exactly the thing that we have. We're taking a bad situation, we're comparing it to another, and we're executing and we're using some method to be able to compare the two. And at the end of the day, what we have is when we've injected religion into this formula, that the conclusion is the children must die, go without medical care, all these horrible things. They're doing exactly the same things. Some of them have, uh, and all of them have a God. I would have to think that some of them have Matt Slick's God, although certainly not all of them. And I'm sure Matt Slick would deny that any of these people actually have his God, but I think it's unlikely that none of them actually do. It's likely that some of them actually do. I think it's likely. Who knows? Since I lost faith, since I left religion behind, my morality has had to evolve and change a lot. A lot. Lots of things have to be reevaluated. Lots of things have to be changed. I have to, when I lost my faith, I had to go back and look at dang near every position that I had, right? I had to go back to so many things that I thought you're out. I'd gone through this process, I'd executed, I'd found my conclusion, which is nothing more than opinion, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I'd gone through that, I'd found my opinion, and then I go back and I take out the wild card of religion, and suddenly the entire formula is off balance. Suddenly everything is out of whack. Suddenly I have to really consider what it is that I mean by moral. Hell, my standard changed. Hell, my process changed. Hell, the only thing that didn't change was the original scenario. Morality to believers. We talk about coming to to these conclusions. It's scary, man. It's scary. Let me just tell you. Imagine going through this process, mostly unconsciously, right? Because we make moral calls all the time. We make moral decisions all the time. And most of the time, we don't think, all right, scenario A, standard B, process C, execute, now conclusion. We never do that. That's not the way this works. Most of the time, they are, sorry, Matt, emotional knee-jerk decisions that come with, that come with a, at a snap, uh, at the snap of a finger or whatever. Swiftly, quickly. We make them swiftly. That's my point, all right? We don't 
think about a lot of our moral decisions. The big ones, sure. The little ones, eh, not so much. And our emotions drive them. I think, imagine if you had always done these things, even subconsciously, and all, and the only thing that's going to remain intact if you let go of God, if you abandon your faith, the only thing that's going to be remaining is that original scenario. Everything you had, everything you thought you understood about what was good and righteous in this world could possibly be turned upside down. Many things will be turned upside down. Some things won't, right? Some things, for example, you still need a flu shot. Whether you believe in God or not, you still need a flu shot. But some things are really going to take a big turn. A big turn. Are you ready for that? Are you prepared for that? How are you? If the thing that scares Matt Slick the most is that he might be wrong about his morality. The thing that comforts me is probably wrong about much of my morality. I don't mind that my emotions drive my moral opinions. I don't mind that I'm guided by empathy and compassion. I don't mind that these are things that I'm going to have to revisit over and over again. I don't mind that they're nothing more than my opinion. To me, that means I can change them. That means that I need to reevaluate it, that I'm, I am responsible for reevaluating. I must reevaluate constantly, that I've learned something that's going to either change my standards or my process, or have some influence on a standard or a process. It seems to me that I am obligated to reevaluate the things that I once thought were moral or immoral and see if I come to the same conclusion. And if I come to a new conclusion, I must abandon the old. This is a mandate, I think, to become more moral Better at morally. <laughs> Better at morality tomorrow than I was today. To correct my mistakes that I've made along the way. To correct the ideas that I had when I was wrong. Ever been wrong? Ever been wrong about something moral? Of course you have. Of course you have. We need to be able to be wrong. That's how we grow. That's how we get better. Nobody ever learned anything by being right all day long. And even though we're using our fallible human emotions, and we're coming to nothing more than opinions, that doesn't mean they're worth nothing. Especially when we bring all of our opinions together and we talk about them. We mull them over. And we discuss how we compared situation A that we might all be able to agree on 
to a standard that we probably won't all agree on with a process that we definitely won't all agree on to come to conclusions that, hey, how in the heck do we all agree on that? Isn't that interesting? That's the point of practicing morality. We have to figure out how to do it better. We might all come to the same conclusions, and we might come to them for different reasons, or to different conclusions for the same reasons. I think it's important. What's my moral standard? My moral standard, I think, for today, is to try to maximize human well-being and minimize human suffering, to make the most good and to make the least bad, to try to make sure that people flourish as much as they can and and find that people, uh, and to minimize any and all harm that I possibly can. I like David Smalley's method, his process, of comparing the two. He calls it the veil of ignorance. I remember a Doctor Who episode where the doctor invoked uh, a veil of ignorance. Um, you don't know if you don't know if you're going to be which party in the scenario. You don't know if you're going to be what person A or person B. And you need to make a decision so that no matter who you could be, it's going to be a fair and equitable uh, scenario for both of you. It's the idea of, I'm going to cut it, and you're going to choose it. I don't want to cut this cake in two pieces, and then you choose the slice that you want. That's the idea behind this veil of ignorance. I like it. I feel it. I dig it. I don't know that I use it often, but I'm going to give that a shot. Who knows what kind of uh, opinions? They're going to be mine. I hope, I hope they're going to be better because of this than they were before. I'm going to try it out. I think it's important for us to try it out. Try out new things with our morality. Make sure that we're always moving forward with it and not backwards. How will we know? I guess we'll look around, see if we're alleviating any suffering. We'll see if we're lessening any harm. We'll see if we're encouraging any flourishing. That sounds as good a standard as any. And see any babies getting tortured for it. I don't see anybody wanting to kill their child because they're trying to minimize harm. At least not if we take away some fanciful eternal torment. Look, I want to say that I'm going to do my best to come back every week. Um, In the meantime, Take care of yourselves. Um, be nice to each other. Look at your morality and see if you can't improve upon it. If you find a way to make your morality even better, why don't you drop me a line? Let me know. Let's talk about it. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Uh, you know where to find me on Facebook. You know where to find the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable. If 
11 p.m. on a Sunday night is not your cup of tea and you want to contact the show, you can email me at andrewtheatheist at gmail.com or call my voicemail line. I have a voicemail line. Nobody answers this phone. You just leave messages, and you call 765-3066, and you leave a voicemail. If you want me to, I'll even play it on the show. Until next time, take care of yourselves. God isn't here. We are. And I think that makes us more moral. Good night. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable at slash Atheist Roundtable on Facebook or find your host at slash Andrew the Atheist. Send all of your email to andrewtheatheist at gmail.com. This podcast is the official podcast of atheists, humanists, and agnostics of the Wabash Valley. Find us on Facebook for monthly meetups. Music for this episode is provided, as always, by Dick Richards. Thank you, Dick. God is here. We are.